This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning, and I'm going to be teaching on characteristics of a godly dad. I think that's cool to know, don't you? Then you can see if you fit in there cool, and if not, then you can change in those areas, right? Amen. All right. Way to go. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this Father's Day today. And Father, first of all, we want to say to you, our Heavenly Father, Lord, we just reverence you today. We say happy Father's Day to you, Father, because you are our great and mighty Father. You are our great Lord. And we thank you, Father. We want to give you reverence today, Lord. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, as I bring forth the word today that we're going to have ears to hear, eyes to see. We're going to understand what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to us today. And Satan, you'll not steal the word that's sown. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, um, I have five sons. And that's why I'm doing the Father's Day message today. I love to talk to, to men because I'm, I'm good at it. Hey, raising five sons, I talk to them day in and day out and day in and day out. I know how to talk to these guys. So I thought, wow, I would love to be able to do the Father's Day message today. So um, as I said, the, the title is Characteristics of a Godly Dad. You know, we're supposed to look like something. We're supposed to act like something. We're supposed to be able to, when people look at us, uh, godly men, they're supposed to say, wow, that guy's a godly dad, you know. And it's a tough job. It's a tough job being a mom, but it's a tough job being a dad. So, you know, a lot of times dads, they go off to work every day, most of them, you know. And uh, so when they come home, maybe they're tired, but they've got children at home, and they've got to be able to spend time with them. They've got to be able to do things with them and show them the way that they need to be raised up in the church and in the Lord. Amen. So I made an acronym out of the word FATHER, and it's for F, faithful, at, training, how to eternally remain. Faithful at training how to eternally remain. Because that's, oh yeah, and if you need an a, a, a outline, raise your hand. If you did not get an outline for the service today. Yeah, Cletus, thank you for reminding me. If you didn't get an outline, raise your hand real, real high. So let's open up our Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. This is going to be our key scripture today. Genesis 18, 19. I'm going to take my Bible out of this. Bible cover because it's falling all over the place. There, that's better. Genesis 18:19. I am uh, reading out of the New King James today. It says this: The Lord says about Abraham. The Lord says, "For I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord." to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So I'm going to read that again. The Lord chose Abraham because of this reason. The reason is, God said, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household After him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness. King James says justice. And then it says justice in the New King James. But in the King James, it says judgment. That the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So isn't that amazing? God's number one qualification for choosing Abraham for the great and mighty things. You know, he's the father, you know, father of many nations, Abraham. Is because God knew That he would raise his children godly. Now that should speak to everybody. Dads and moms. Abraham had favor. Because God saw Abraham. And God knew that he would train his children up to serve the Lord. So number one. God knew Abraham. And some words that uh, go along with to know somebody. Is that, that God ascertained by seeing. So God was watching Abraham. Is God watching you? Uh, observation, recognition, God observed Abraham, God recognized Abraham. Amen. Hi, Ron and Phil. 
Then number two, and then not only that, it is obvious that the Lord saw something in Abraham. The Lord watched him and observed him. And I always think, you know, what God did for Abraham, he's doing for you too. You know, he's watching us day in and day out to see if we're going to serve him or if we're going to fall by the wayside. And number two was Abraham knew God. You know, it was a two-way street. He, Abraham had a relationship with the Lord. The Lord had a relationship with him. And number three, that he would command his children. Now, command is a, is a, is a tough word. You think of command and you think, well, that's a little harsh. Well, it's not really because the word command, according to Webster's, means to form. So God knew that Abraham would form his children. God knew that Abraham would establish or create within those children an ability to serve the Lord. And also another word for that would be that the Lord knew that Abraham would put his children in order. How many times does your house seem like chaos? Complete and total chaos. Anybody? Been there, done that? Whoa. (laughs) I mean, anybody that's a parent knows that's so, right? And if you don't say so, then you can repent for lying after the service. However, (laughs) so anyway, you know, it's 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 a day in and day out job when you're training your children, right? In the way of the Lord. Number four, and God also knew that he would command his household. Well, let's let's think about our household. Let's think about Abraham's household. Abraham was a very wealthy man. He had a lot of employees, you know, that worked for him. Uh, Maybe some of you have a business and you have employees. Well, you need to be that that Christian example if if you're an employer. You need to be that Christian example to those that maybe are not within your household household, but that are in your employee. You know what I'm saying? So... Not only is uh, you need to be that example in your home, and actually it's usually reversed. You're your worst at home, right? Because you let your hair down and you're usually your worst at home. But that's where we're supposed to be our best because that's where we've been given the assignment to raise up children to serve him. Amen. And then number five, that he would keep the way of the Lord. And so in looking up the word keep, it means to retain possession of. God knew that Abraham would keep possession of the things of God, that he would continue on a, a specific course. You know, you can't be one day in serving God and one day out serving God. You're going to have schizophrenic kids if you're that kind of a parent. If you're that kind of a parent that one day you're in the tavern, the next day you're in church, one day you're, you know, whatever it is that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, your children are going to be very, very much confused, and they're not going to know what to do. You're going to raise a bunch of kids with head cases because they're not going to know what to do in life. But um, if you continue on a specific course, meaning God's course, God's way of doing things, the Christian lifestyle, which means church, which means church, which means church, which means praying, which means loving, which means forgiving one another, which means training them up in the way that they should go so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. That's what all that means. Uh, and keep means to, to, to carry on. Let's just carry on being being good Christians. Amen. And also to remain. Let's remain faithful and true to the Lord. Amen. Let's not abandon him because he refuses to abandon us. Number six, and the King James says that he would do justice. God knew that Abraham would do justice. So what does that mean? So that means that, that Abraham would be fair. Abraham would be fair in dealing with his children. That Abraham would be just in dealing with his children. That Abraham would be honest in dealing with his children. That Abraham would be righteous. And that he would teach them morals and morality. That's one of the big things that's lacking in our society today is morals and morality. And so it's up to us as Christian believers to put back into society morals and morality. We've done, what, two weddings the last couple weeks? Yeah, so praise the Lord. We're getting people away from living together, which is a sin. I'll step on your toes any time, day or night. doesn't matter to me. God wants, does not want people living together. He wants them to make a commitment to one another. Either, you, either this is the person that God has chosen from you, and they are to be your, your husband or your wife, or you go your, your separate ways, right? That's just the way God has, has established it to be. So we need morals and we need morality back in our school, in our, our home, our society. 
I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about dads and their daughters. Some of you have daughters that are maybe teenagers. Uh, what do you do when they're walking out the door and they have this low-cut thing on and the short shirt stuff and half their butt's hanging out? What do you do about that, dads? Do you say, bye, honey, have a good day? Or do you say, uh, get back in here, wait a minute? You know, you know. I mean, that's a hard one because your, your teenage daughter just might get mad and pitch a fit, which sometimes they do. But you know what? Who cares? I was listening to part of Dr. Barclay's sermon this morning on because we're three hours difference from Michigan, or two hours at least. And he said, you are not to be your child's friend. You are to father them. You know, when they grow up, when they grow up, you know, you can be their friends when they're all grown up and married and have their own kids. You know, then you can be kind of buddies with them. Until then, you're not supposed to be their buddy. You are supposed to father them or you are supposed to mother them. And so we have a job to do. It's not to make them feel good about the sin that they're committing. I'm talking about the children. It's to show them this is not right and proper behavior. You will not leave this house looking like that. You know, you will come back in and you will get dressed properly. And then you need to explain to them why that they're not supposed to look like that. Because, honey, dear, darling, dear daughter, if you walk out the house looking like that, you're going to you're messing with the men. Some of them know it and they do it on purpose. But that and that's even worse than not knowing it because men are turned on by sight. Right, guys? So you got this little honey walking down the street with her boobs hanging out and her short shorts and her butt hanging out. And guys are going to go, boy, I'd like to have some of that. But that is not what you want your daughters to be out there doing. You're supposed to be raising godly children. You're supposed to be saying, daughters, save yourselves for your husband that God has chosen for you. I like telling it like it is because I don't believe in beating around the bush. And if you can't hear the truth from the pulpit, where are you going to hear it? Amen. So praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Number seven. Abraham, or God knew that Abraham would do judgment. So what does that mean? That means the ability to, to, uh, concerning making decisions. How many of you parents have ever had to make decisions in life about all kinds of stuff? God knew that Abraham would come to sensible conclusions. He'd have some wisdom about himself. God knew that Abraham would have discernment, that he would have sense, common sense. I don't see a whole lot of common sense in society today. I think, man, where are you, what planet do you come from? You know what I mean? They come from the planet of non-believers. I always say that people who aren't born again don't know how to think right. It takes becoming born again and renewing your mind to the word of God before you think right. Otherwise, you're just foolish, right? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God knew that Abraham would reason and that he would have logic. That's why God chose Abraham. And and then it says, the last thing, number eight, is God did all that so that he could, so that God Almighty could fulfill his promise to Abraham. Now, isn't that cool? You want your promises fulfilled by God in your life, right? You all want your promises that he has given fulfilled. But, you know, you've got a job to do. Do you know that there's a whole lot of, there's a big word in the Bible it has two letters in it. It's called if. I-F, if. You ought to go through the Bible in your concordance someday and look up all the ifs that are in the Bible. This Christian walk is conditional. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. If you do this, God says, I will do that. If you do this, God says, I will do that. If you do this, I will do this for you. He's full of promises, but they're conditional. You know, a lot of people in the the Christian world today go around and they're saying, well, you know, I can do anything I want to do because I'm born again now and God forgave me. But, hey, listen, how many of you sin day in and day out sometimes? You know, may not be a may not be a right. I mean, you're not out robbing banks or committing adultery and this big stuff, but you got an attitude sometimes, you know. Sometimes you're smart off to your wife, or you're smart off to your husband, or you're smart off to your kids, or, or you, you know, you cut in front of the guy in line. I mean, you know, just stupid stuff. That's all sin, you know. So that's what First John one nine is for. 
the Lord says that if we confess our sins to him, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's not a one-time thing. In Romans 10, 9, and 10, just when we come to the Lord and say, come into my heart. You know, this is a day-in, day-out thing. Amen? And we've got to be able to do stuff like that. I want to talk to you about uh, a precious a young man that, well, I was gone for 10 days. Many of you know I was gone. Some of you didn't even notice I was gone, but I was gone. I went to New England to my my sister. One of my sisters passed away in October, and, and her her daughter got married. So I went to my niece's wedding, and so at that wedding is a is a young man. His name is Tano. So I hope Tano gets to hear this message today through the through the website. Um, Tano was engaged to my other niece, my my sister that passed the other the other sister, and um, we went to the wedding on Friday night, June the eighth, and um, Tano. You know, we were all assigned a table. So Tano is sitting beside me. I don't know how old Tano is. He's in his 20s. And he comes over and he and he says to me, Aunt Janice, you know. And he just starts talking to me. And it's almost as if they had assigned him to me. But he comes from a family that knows how to respect their elders, you know. So Tano is sitting beside me and he's talking to me. And I remember that he coached something. So I'm trying to make conversation with him. And I said, Tana, you coach soccer, right? And he said, no, I coach lacrosse. Well, lacrosse is a ritzy sport. And he says to me, we don't live in a ritzy town. He says, we live in a town that that uh, has a lot of needs and, and, and things like that. He lives in Fitchburg, Massachusetts is where he lives. And he says, I go out into the streets and I get these young men that don't have a dad, that don't know who their dad is, you know, nothing. He said these, these kids that are running around that need a male figure in their life. And he says, and I recruit them and I teach them lacrosse. And he says, you know, and he looks me in the eye and he says, we have a terrible team. But he says, you know what? I am teaching them that they can trust a man that I can be an example before them. And I thought, wow, Tano, that's the coolest thing. And then I started telling him about our church. I said, you know what? I said, a lot of kids in our church don't know who their dad is or don't have a dad. And I said, you know what I do? I recruit the men to work in children's church or nursery because these little children and older children need to see a Christian man that's godly. This is what a Christian godly man looks like. This is what a father is supposed to look like, you know. And uh, I talked to him about that. And then I told him about how God chose Abraham because God knew that he would train up his children after him. And Tano says this to me. Isn't Abraham the one that went to sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar? And so that doesn't sound like a very good dad, does it? And, you know, I said, I said, you're right, Tano. You know, so I looked it up. It's in Genesis 22, verses 1 through 15. But you know what? Think about it this way. That was a type and a shadow of what Jesus Christ was going to do for us. Because when you read this account about Abraham and Isaac, God says to him, you take your only son. God the Father took his only son. He took his only son, Jesus Christ. But the cool thing about it was Abraham trusted God. When If you read that closely... Abraham says, we, meaning him and his son, are going to go up on this mountain. He tells his people that are with him. And we will return. Sometimes you have to read this stuff real close. Abraham didn't say, I'll be back. He said, we will be back, meaning him and his son Isaac. He knew God was going to come through. That's the relationship that Abraham had with God the Father. That's what God the Father saw in Abraham, that Abraham trusted him with his own children. Some of you that have children that are wayward out there in la-la land somewhere, you need to lay them at the feet of Jesus. You just need to say, Jesus, you know, I'm just laying them at your feet. You You can do better with them than what I can do. Lord, you know my heart's breaking, but I'm laying that at your feet. Because I know that you're going to pick up that child and you're going to do something with that child. Be it a small child or a grown child. You know, it doesn't matter. God will take care of your children. 
So I thought that was pretty pretty cool that Tano said that to me. And um, I had a really good time with Tano that night. And he says to me, he would get up and he'd go somewhere and he'd say to me, Aunt Janice, I'll be right back. And I thought, you know, they had all kinds of young people at this wedding. And he's spending his time talking to me. And I was really blessed by that. And uh, Tano, I will send you a thank you note in the mail because I thought that was really precious. And it really made my evening to be able to spend that time with a godly young man like that that wants to raise up people, little, you know, boys, and teach them that. You know, and I said to him, too, I said, you know something, Tano, I said, if these kids get good enough at lacrosse, they can get really good college scholarships playing lacrosse. I'm talking to the big schools, you know. Anyway, he said, yeah, I know. That's my goal. And I said, well, that's really cool. Okay. Open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Amen. We love the Bible, don't we? It's something to cheer about. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 13. No, that's not right. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. I'm looking at another thing. 1 through 9. You need to read dads and moms need to take this this section of Scripture to heart. This is what God is instructing you to do about your children. Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. Now, this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life. All the days of your life. That doesn't mean one day in, one day out. It means all the days. And that your days may be prolonged. Long life. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And I'm going to stop here a minute. If you're loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, he's first place in your life, right? He's first place in your marriage. He's first place with your family, right? Every single decision you make in your life, you have to go to the Father with. Right? You always want to be in God's perfect will. The worst place in your life you can be in is out of God's perfect will. Because if you're out of God's will for your life, you're over here in la-la land. You're on your own. You and the devil. You know? But if you're seeking the Lord about everything in your life and in your children's life and things like that, then you're going to be in, in God's perfect will. That shows that you love him. Is what I'm doing this day, is it going to please God or is it going to grieve the Holy Ghost? Is the Lord going to be crying because of what I did today? You know what I'm saying? You need to know that every single day what you're doing pleases the Lord. That's extremely important. Okay, so verse 6 says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Everything's a lesson. You know, Johnny Clobber Susie. Okay, it's a teachable moment, folks. Number one, you need to talk to Johnny about why we're not clobbering Susie. You know what I'm saying? You know, you need to, I mean, everything's a teachable moment. You know what I'm saying? You may feel like all day long you're teaching lessons to your kids. Yes, that's correct. You are. Okay. So you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. So basically all day, day in and day out and day in and day out from morning till night. And then in verse 8 it says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, 
and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. He's always he's talking about keeping the word in front of them, in front of you. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. One of the best things you can do is put scriptures on your bathroom wall, on your refrigerator, you know, stuff like that. I got a tickle with little uh, my grandson, Josh's son, Hedemias, the other day is two. They've already taught him Ephesians 6, 1, which is actually the same verse I taught you guys when you were little fellas. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Amen. That little fellow knows that. And he just grins and he says it as he goes about his way. <laughs> yeah, right before he whacks his brother in the head. So there you have the teachable moment of why we don't beat up the little brother. Who's one? You know what I'm saying? So anyway, these, these are, this is an awesome Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. You need to write that out. Stick it on your refrigerator. Put it in the front of your Bible. Read it every single day so that you can be a doer of that. So what is the Lord seeing in your life? You know, I said this before, as he watches you and observes you as men. You know, what is he seeing in your life? When I think of Abraham, I think of diligence. He was diligent. Amen. He was dedicated. As I said, he wasn't in one day out the next where God didn't know whether, well, today was Abraham serving me today or not, you know. No, God could look down from heaven and say, yep, Abraham's serving me. He's, he's there again. He was consistent. So are we consistent? You know, are you as dads being consistent in your Christian walk? God sees that. Um, little change in subject, but still along the same uh, thing of being a man. Any male of age can father a child, correct? But it takes a man to be a dad, Right? You need to be a man all the time, not just feel like one when you have sex. God created you a male, means you're a man. Doesn't mean just you're a man just because you have sex, okay? You're a man day in, day out, day in, day out, because that's how God created you. So you need to know what the godly characteristics of a man are, and then you need to do those. A real man serves Jesus. A real man serves Jesus because it's a whole lot harder to serve Jesus than it is to go the way of the world. That's easy. You know, you just float downstream with the rest of the world and get into whatever trouble they're getting into. But it takes a real man to stand up for his convictions. It takes a real man to be honest in a dishonest world. It takes a real man to have integrity in a, in a, in a world where there is a tremendous lack of integrity. You know what I'm saying? It takes a real man to serve Jesus. That's why I have so much respect for you Christian men. I mean, man, you guys are you, you're the best. A real man knows his responsibilities in life concerning his wife and his family. A real man not only knows his responsibilities, but he lives those responsibilities. You know, maybe you had a horrible dad or no dad at all. You know, that happens in life, you know. But I praise God that you were born. I praise God that you're here today and that you were born. That, that, that you have life, that you're here today in the house of God. But you cannot dwell in the past. You can't dwell in the past. What are you going to do about the right now? What are you going to do about the here and now? What are you going to do about your future? Maybe the only thing you ever heard, learned from your, Bible, your biological father was what not to do, what not to be like. And so you run away from that pattern, right? And you run towards the pattern. Let the Lord be your example. You know, get in the Word. How is God as a father? You know, He's a good, good father. I love that song we sing sometimes. He's a good, good father, you know. He is a good, good father. And so if you don't know how to be a godly dad, you know, how's God the father to us? How's Jesus to us? Get in the word and look at what, what God did, the examples that he, that he had. And boys need to be taught at an early age about being a godly father. You've got to be that example. They need to be taught responsibility and how to dis- establish biblical standards. You know, I'll say this again. You're not doing your kids any favors by doing everything for them, give them some chores to do. Man, they can make that bed. 
They can vacuum the floor. They can sweep the floor. They can do dishes. They can walk the dog. You know, they can rake leaves. There's all kinds of things that, that, that little people can do. But if they're sitting on your sofa watching video games or playing video games or watching TVs, you're just, you're raising a failure. I'm just telling you. Give them responsibilities even when they're little. I love what my daughter Annie did with Kiana, my little granddaughter. She carried her own backpack. And I thought, man, that's pretty cool. And she'd come in, you know, two years old. She's got a little backpack on. She's got her diapers and her stuff in it. You know, she's carrying her own stuff. And I think back to when I was a mom and I had all this stuff I was hauling, you know. And then people would dump more stuff on me and I'm hauling all this stuff. And I'm thinking, boy, were you stupid. You know, you could have gotten a little backpack and they could have worn their own little backpacks. How cool is that? Teaching them responsibility. Amen. (laughs) And how to establish biblical standards. Um, Fathering a child is not a flippant, flippant thing so that a guy can say that he got some. And you know what I'm talking about, all you adults in here. Those aren't bragging rights. Those are stupidity rights. You're misusing your, the godliness that God gave you as a man. You know, we've got a responsibility. Women, we have a responsibility because God created us to operate in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord as women. The same goes for you guys. God created you as men, as males. You've got, a, you've got a responsibility to God the Father to operate in the way that God wants you to operate in. Amen? It takes a man to be able to see the life picture as a whole. It takes a man to see the life picture as a whole. What's the beginning? What's the end? You need to write out a life plan. Plan number one. If you're not married, you guys, you find a godly woman. Somebody, You need to be a fruit inspector. Okay, all you guys that aren't married, you need to be fruit inspectors. That means, and all you gals, it's vice versa too, you need to be fruit inspectors. Okay, so if so-and-so says they're a Christian, do they have the fruit of a Christian? If you pick and pick fruit off of their tree, you know, are they in church? Not because you come to church and they're coming to church because they want to hook you. You understand what I'm saying? Vice versa, male, female. Or they, do they truly love and serve the Lord? That's the that's the person you're looking for as a as a married as a person to marry. You don't want to. Where I have seen so many people. I mean, I've seen both. I've seen guys and I've seen gals. You know, all of a sudden, so-and-so comes to church, and they start going together. And as soon as they get married, where are they? One of them pulled the other one out. That's not right. You need to be on the same page with a Christian person. Your number one goal needs to be, we are getting married. This is how Pastor and I got married. We got married to serve Jesus. That was number one. We were going to serve Jesus as a team. Guess what? We serve Jesus as a team. That's our number one goal. That's what you need to be. It doesn't mean doesn't mean you have to be, you know, pastors or anything like that. But but whatever it is God has called you to do in life, you need to do it as a Christian couple. Serving the Lord together. Oh, how awesome. How awesome that is. It takes a biblical up bringing for a man to know God's plan for the family. And you know, if, like I said, if you weren't raised in a Christian home, you don't have a dad, blah, blah, blah. Get in the Word. That's This is what the Word's for. You know, bake his basic instructions before leaving earth. We've all heard that for, you know, a long, long time. Once again, your acronym, they need, a father needs to be faithful at training how to eternally remain. You want your family to remain true, serving the Lord always. And just, fathers, just something I want to tell you. Keep your promises to your kids. If you tell them Saturday, guess what? We're going fishing, son. You better go fishing Saturday. I'm telling you what. Because that kid will remember that forever. They will remember the fact, they will remember the fact that, oh, my dad took me fishing and we had so much fun. And it will be a happy memory. 
but it will be a memory filled with hurt that they may not ever get over. My dad told me he'd take me fishing on Saturday, and we never went. He went and played bowling with his friends or whatever, you know, whatever. He didn't keep his promise. Another thing is you need to take time to listen to your children. It's very important that you listen to them. I mean, man, Pastor Dave, with eight kids, do your kids like to talk to you? I mean, sometimes they talk to you all at once, you know. Yeah, I know. What did I say? I Eight. Oh, I have eight. You have four. Okay. Okay. Well, sometimes it's nice if you can just get them one-on-one and you listen to their little hearts and you listen to them talk and you'll find out what they're interested in and you'll find out, you know, what makes them tick and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they will remember those moments forever. And I, you know, you've heard this story before, but I'm going to tell you again. When I was raising my brood, we had an older batch and a younger batch. I called them batches. We had, you know, we had an older four and we had a younger four. The four that you see most of the time, that's the younger batch. So when you have a lot of children, even, you know, you need to be able to spend quality time one-on-one. Okay, so this was my answer to that. We would take, uh, the, the kids had a week. And that week, maybe week number one, Josh went because he was the oldest of the younger batch. I would take him to the grocery store with me, just he and I. Is the grocery store an exotic place to go? Is it like going to Disneyland? No. But, you know, when you talk to my kids about what, what did they remember once about when they were little, they'll talk about going to the grocery store with mom. They would be able to pick out a treat and pick out a drink. And they would talk and talk and talk and talk and talk because they had their undivided ear of their mother. We had quality time together. Amen. And if I had the money, I'd take them to McDonald's. But sometimes I didn't. Sometimes I had a quarter and we could go through the drive-thru and get a get an ice cream cone, you know, for a quarter or something like that. Quality time. The following week would be David's week. And then the third week it would be Annie's week. The fourth week it would be Joe's week. You know? Good times. Go in the grocery store. You know, you think, whoopee. It was whoopee. It was whoopee. Because it doesn't matter how much money you've got to spend on your kids. And some wealthy people do that. They just throw money at their children and think that that's love and it's not love. What they want is you. They want you. They want you to listen to them. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just that's what it's all about. Um, and when you're listening, take the time to listen to them. And when you're listening, and we can't, we can't say this anymore because nobody reads the paper anymore. But I've seen pictures of little children that would go up to their daddy and they'd want to talk to their daddy or show them a picture that they drew or something. And the father's sitting there reading a newspaper in his chair and he's saying, yeah, 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 I see it, I see it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go away, go play. That's sad. Nowadays, it's they're on their cell phone or they're on their computer or they're watching sports or something. You need to stop. Usually, it only takes 15 minutes for you to stop. And this includes moms, too. Stop your dinner. Stop cooking dinner. Stop. And sit down and just talk to them. And they'll be happy. And they'll just run off and they'll go play. And their little hearts will be happy because... You took, you took, you stopped what you were doing and, and you spent some time with them. And also, uh, you know, some of you fathers that are divorced and you have children and you have visitation rights, if you, if it's your week to go get them, you go get them. You go get them. Don't you make plans when it's the time for you to go get your children. If you're supposed to pick them up at Friday night at six, you be there Friday night at six. If you're supposed to bring them back Sunday night at six, you bring them back to their mother Friday night at six or Sunday night at six, because they've got their little suitcases or little backpacks packed and ready to go, waiting at the door for you to show up. You don't show up, their little hearts are broken, and they cry, and they learn not to trust you, and they learn not to trust people, and they have issues their entire life just because you didn't show up. So, what if you've blown it in life? Who hasn't blown it? Everybody. You know, when you look at your kids, you think, man, I should have done this different. I should have done that differently. I made this mistake. I made that mistake. Especially parents, if you're older, dads, if you're older, and you weren't a Christian when your kids were growing up, 
I mean, the devil can hit you over the head with one regret after another, you know. But if you go to those children and you say to them, um, you know, I serve the Lord now. I asked Jesus into my heart, and I belong to him now, and I, I'm so sorry. that I didn't know Jesus when I was raising you. Ask them to forgive you. I was a bad dad or I was a bad mom or whatever. But the Lord's showing me, the Lord's given me another chance in life and I want to have a relationship with you. You know, you can say that to them. Once again, 1 John 1, 9. Let's, let's look that up. First John 1 John 1.9, if we, I, I meant, I quoted this to you earlier, but you need to see it. If we confess our sins, that means to him, he is, faith, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a powerful promise. He can cleanse us. You know, the devil can beat you over the head. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were just having a terrible time getting over their life because... They made a mess of their life. I don't even know who it was. But I said, look, what's it say here? It says, if you go to the Lord and you say, Father, I am sorry because of da-da-da-da-da. The Word of God says that He is faithful and just to cleanse you. He wipes your, your sin as far as the east is from the west. He makes you whiter than snow. So who are you? Are you mightier than God? Are you mightier than God that you can say, um, I can't, God forgive me, but I can't forgive myself. That makes you, that makes you mightier than God. That, you're putting yourself in a higher position than God. Isn't that stupid? And then if the devil comes beating on your doorstep, yeah, you know what you did. How many of you ever had the devil beat on your step? You know what you did. Tell him to take a hike. Say, shut up, devil. First John 1 9 says, and you go read him the Bible. The Bible says, if I confess my sins, so I'm cleansed. So if you want to take this subject up, go, go talk to the Lord, because I don't have that problem. Amen. It's very, very important that you get that stuff out of your life, because you cannot allow the devil to beat you over the head for past mistakes. You've got to pick up your life, and you've got to go on. You've got the now, and you've got the future. Forget the past. Amen. Okay, hallelujah. Let's see. Oh, I got something special for you to do today. Okay. Oh, I did this the other day. I asked one of my kids, I said, <laughs> I said, how would you rate your dad? I didn't ask you to. I, I said, how would you rate your dad 1 to 10 as a, as a, to the kind of dad he was, meaning pastor, you know. And this one particular son said, well, I'd give him a 10. I said, why? He said, because he taught me things, meaning natural things. He meant, because uh, I know this son, he meant he taught me how to change the oil. He taught me how to do this. He taught me how to do that. And then he says, and he goes places with me. I mean, they would just go off and they'd, just, they'd be gone for a week, just the two of them, you know, having quality time together. Now, if I asked that to Pastor Dave, he would say, I'm going to ask you, what is the number one thing, Pastor Dave, about your dad? Well, I remember uh, his dedication to the Word of God every day, and he taught me the Bible and taught me how to really pray and really mean it. (laughs) Yeah, see, I'm going to ask Josh the same question. Joshua, I know you're going to say it's because of his great singing abilities. No. What, what, what's the one number one thing about your dad? I, I remember him being in the Word, too, and just teaching us the Bible and singing all the time. Yeah. Just kidding. He, did he, he sings in the shower. <laughs> he does sing in the shower. But see, you know, when you think, well, how can I be that kind of example? But you can. You know, your children need to see you with your Bible out sitting in your chair reading it. You know? They need to see you. With that. That's the example that you're putting. They need to see that. You actually pick up that Bible and you read it. 
tell you the truth, the reason I know a lot of the word is because of pastor, because he reads the Bible out loud. So I can be doing dishes. Hey, I'm getting the words just like pushing the button on the tape player, you know, the, the, you know, the word was constantly in the air. Amen. And, and to this day, pastor spends the morning, you know, he, you know, he's a pastor. This is his occupation. But even when he was a truck driver, he would get up early in the morning and he would read his Bible, you know, and then he would go out to work. But even to this day, like I don't even, I, I'll fix pastor breakfast, but he's learning how to cook. So he's going to fix me breakfast. Yeah, he took a picture. When I was gone, he took a picture of his ham and eggs. And I said, hey, I've been married to you for 36 some odd years, and you know how to cook? <laughs> you know? Oh, oh, yeah, great oven pizza. Should I say that? Should I tell that story? Everybody knows the story. Tell it again. Okay, so I went somewhere. Went to visit somebody. Did something. I think I was in Alaska. So, pastor's home with Rocky. I'm sorry, my eye runs all the time. I'm not crying. I miss my eye. It's blessed. So, um, pastor decides that he's going to fix a frozen pizza. Real hard, right? So, he gets the box out and he reads it. And it says, set the oven, you know, 400, 425. So, he does that. He takes the pizza out of the box with the plastic still on it. Turns it upside down on the oven rack. After a while, the house starts to smell. And he tries to give the pizza to Rocky the dog, but Rocky wasn't having any of it. You know what I'm saying? It's just crazy. But you need to ask your children, you know, what is it that they like about you as a dad? And then I'm gonna, I want to show you something else. And, and I want to tell you something, too, about I've talked a lot about sons, but I want to talk about and I want to talk a little bit about daughters for a minute. You know, daughters are different. I have one daughter. She's not like the well, she is kind of like the boys. David and Annie have this thing going. They call each other big, fat, ugly jerks to this day. And then they laugh about it. You know, but back of the day, it wasn't so funny. That's what she called him. But when, you know, when you got a whole house full of kids, some of them get along good and some of them don't, you know. But when they get grown, it's just they, they all love each other. But daughters, it's the same thing with daughters. You need to love them. You need to listen to them. You need to take them on a date. And you need to treat them like a lady should be treated. You open the car door for them. Maybe you buy them some flowers. She dresses up. You take her to the local Denny's IHOP, which they don't care, you know. McDonald's, they don't care. They just care that I'm having a date with Daddy, you know. Or, and take them to a nice movie, you know, a Christian movie, you know, a nice kitty movie, that's something yucky. And you, that is showing them how when they're older and when they start dating, hey, this guy's not treating me like my dad did. There's something wrong with this guy. Hit the road, Jack, you know what I'm saying? Just get out of here, head on down the pike. Because that's not how my daddy treated me when, when my daddy took me on a date. So it's important that you do that. Amen. Okay. Um, where's my Where's my Robert? There's Robert. Okay. And I have something that I want to give to you, men. This is for um, if you have small children in the house. Uh, up until I have a different one for teenagers, but I didn't bring that today. This is just for small children. So if you have small children in your house. Raise, raise that many fingers of how many kids you have in your house. Even grandkids, really. If you have grandkids, and they're going to put that many papers in your hand. And I'm going to tell you what this is. Some of you may or may not have heard about the touch points of love or uh, what's another love languages. Well, the children have touch points of love, and they have love languages, too. And so if you would like to know why your child's doing the things that they're doing and why they, you know, give them this little test. And it's going to show them. I mean, it's not hard. You know, you don't get a bad grade. You know what I'm saying? You just sit there and you're talking to them while they're eating their cereal or something. And you say to them, which one, which one makes you feel better? Mom or dad says, you really did a good job on that. I appreciate it. 
Do you like that one? Or do you like mom or dad unexpectedly does something in or around the house or your room that you appreciate? Do you like that one? Mom or dad brings you home a surprise treat from the store. Do you like that one? Mom or dad invites you to go on a walk just for fun and just to talk. Do you like that one? Mom or dad makes a point to give you a big hug and kiss before you leave the house. Do you like that one? And then they'll tell you which one they like first. Well, which one do you like second? You know, and you grade them one through five, and there's a whole, you know, there's a bunch of questions here. And then you get down, and then you grade it. And then some people, their number one thing that they need in their life, their touch point of love, is they like encouraging words. That's my bottom one. See, this works with, with your married, your spouses too. But that's pastor's number one. And I did not understand why he was always saying, he'd preach a sermon. How did I do? How did I do? What part did you like? And I'm thinking, you did a great job, you know. Knock it off. We're going to go home and have dinner, you know. But some people need to be told that they're doing a good job. That's why when your child draws you a picture and hands it to you, you don't just glance at, "Uh uh-huh. You take it and you look at, oh, you did a great job on this. I like this color. You did a good, you know, and it could be just, you know, let's write your name on it and date it. You know, make it a big deal. You know, something like that. Another one is acts of service. That's my number one. That means if somebody does something to help me do something, I am so happy. You know, I mean, that just, I just, I'm just happy as I can be if somebody helps me do something. Number one, another one is gift giving. You know, it's not the amount of the gift. If you, this is like, I think this is one of Annie's number ones, my daughter. If you bring her a stick of gum, she is ecstatic. Because you thought of her while you were at the store. You see what I'm saying? Another one is quality time. You know, that's like going to the grocery store with just one kid. Another one is touch, you know. Some, how many of you have kids that are just real huggable, snuggable ones? And the rest of them are just, you know, eh, I don't want to hug. I don't want to kiss. Nothing, you know. So, but some kids are huggable. They like to be hugged, so that's touch. But you can go through here, and you can score this, and you can say, that's why that kid acts that way. That's why that kid bugs me when he comes home from school because, you know, and shows me his report card because he wants me to go on and on and on about the good grades that he got. He needs encouraging words. So when you do that for him, yeah, you know, it rings his bell. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, this will be a fun thing for you to do at home. And if I can find, uh, you know, I'll dig it up somewhere, the one that they have for teenagers. And those of you who have teenagers, you can do that with your teenagers because that's important too. It's never too late. Amen? So guess what? I'm done. You're done. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.